Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to be talking about insight into the Olympic competition. We're also going to find out about combat COVID. We're going to meet the bird whisperer and start things off with August as Breastfeeding Awareness Month. Don Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, gives us an overview. Don, it is National Breastfeeding Month. And when we talk about breastfeeding, there are many things that people don't realize, don't understand. So first of all, right off the top, what would be some of the benefits of breastfeeding? The most important benefit that I like to mention is that as the baby grows, your breast milk actually changes in nutrition. So when the baby's born, the first milk that comes out doesn't even look like milk. It's called colostrum. And it's, it's yellow in color and it's, it's a little bit thicker. And it truly is made for a newborn baby. Everything that newborn baby needs. So antibodies, vitamins. So as the baby grows, your breast milk changes. So it truly changes to fit what that baby needs depending on its age. So that's what I think is most important and that, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. Since it is all natural coming from mom, is there better protection in there? Well, there is. So there are antibodies in a mother's breast milk. So the antibodies actually build the baby's immune system. So if a mom is immune from a virus that she's had in her life multiple times and she's built up that immunity, while she's nursing, her baby will actually be immune also, or if not immune, have a, a protection built in already. So the baby may still get the virus or the cold or whatever it may be, but they're going to fight it off better. And there's actually studies now that show that there is a, like a feedback loop. So if a baby is nursing and the baby has a cold, the mom somehow senses that and, and, and produces those antibodies in her milk to give them back to the baby. So there's some type of feedback mechanism that can actually help babies with whatever they're, they're um, being affected with. And then what about 
even as far as short-term, long-term type of things, let's say um, mom has something, even something like asthma or whatever, is that also kind of transferred into the baby as well through breast milk? Things like asthma, allergies, a lot of times those are genetic. But studies have shown that the breastfed babies have lower risks of things like asthma, obesity, diabetes, um, even SIDS, which is so scary. So, um, you know, that's a huge benefit. And then they also say breastfed babies are less likely to have ear infections and stomach bugs because of the way they're held and the position they're in while nursing. One of the things that moms worry about a lot is, besides the breast milk itself, is breastfeeding their babies. And especially now that moms are working. And how does all that work in, in, the, in the world that we're in today, Dawn? I have to say, um, in the past 10 years, I mean, it has become so much more normalized um, to nurse in public and um, to the point where even airports now have nursing areas, uh, theme parks have nursing areas, and there's just these nice, big, comfy rooms that, you know, just moms and babies and sometimes toddlers too, you know, the siblings will go in and it just gives you privacy and it's quiet. And, and those are things that are important, especially if you have a little one um, that's nursing that's easily distracted, because sometimes the older they get, the harder it is um, to get them to nurse in, in public places because they want to see what's going on. And obviously, they're not going to be discreet if, you know, they're looking everywhere and wiggling. Uh, at this point, um, you know, moms can breastfeed anywhere and it's all their comfort level. Um, you know, so if a mom does want to go in private, there's, they set it up. There's private rooms in the workplace. They actually have um, rooms that you can go in and pump with refrigerators to store your milk because pumping is super important when you go back to work to keep your supply up. And then, like I said, um, pretty much any theme park or public place you go to now has actual nursing stations for nursing moms. But what happens if mom isn't able to produce enough or what would even be enough breast milk? How would you even know? So that's tough. And it's especially tough when you're a first time mom and you're stressed out about it and and you don't know because there really is no way to tell how much milk a baby's taking in each time they feed. And so what's most important is that the baby's gaining weight. And so the first couple weeks of life, the doctors are very diligent. They weigh the baby. They make sure the baby's gaining. A lot of times after birth, a baby will actually lose weight. And and so that's scary, too, for the mom because, you know, she's not sure if she's producing enough milk, if baby's getting enough milk. So there's multiple things you can do. So the first thing that they tell you to do is if you feel like you're not producing enough milk, supplement with formula. There's nothing wrong with supplementing with formula. Um, there's no reason to be stressed out about it. And some women do have a very hard time producing milk. Sometimes it's because of stress, sometimes it's because of health conditions, or sometimes you even just dehydration. So really, if it's coming down to that where you're stressed out about it, we don't want people to be stressed out about it. Supplement with formula. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And um, the other thing that moms can do is if they're having actual issues with the baby latching, they can just pump and feed the baby from a bottle. All babies are different. And some take bottles better. Some take the breast better. Some never take the breast. Some never take a bottle. So really, it's going to depend on the baby. And it's going to depend on the mom and her support system. And, um, you know, even if one does wonderful with nursing, the next baby may not. So you just never know, really. What are cluster feedings? So cluster feedings are 
when you feed a baby, whether it's formula or nursing, and you know, the baby eats. So if you're breastfeeding, the baby's from one side, typically after one side, they're full. Or if they don't appear to be full, you can offer the other side. After that, they typically will take a little nap. That's what babies do. They eat, they get nice full bellies, they fall asleep. However, when they cluster feed, it means that, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, they're hungry again. So, and that can happen for hours. And, you know, I remember there were days where I just felt like I sat there for five, six hours a day and nursed. And, um, you know, it can be really frustrating. And a lot of times that happens when they are having growth spurts or, you know, if they're upset about something, you know, because it's a comfort thing too. So cluster feeding is essentially when babies just eat and eat and eat. And, you know, you feel like that's all you're doing is feeding the baby. But typically that doesn't last long. It's typically only a couple of days and then it'll settle down a little bit. And we should point out at this point that not only are you a medical professional, but you are a professional mom who has already gone through this. Would you suggest twice? twice would you suggest trying to start out? Because I, I know a lot of times women are very apprehensive and they say, no, I'm I'm not even going to get started in that. But from just from your perspective, were there benefits that even you could receive? Yes, absolutely. So when you're nursing, um, it releases, you know, the chemicals in your brain that give you that feeling of calm. Um, right after you have the baby, the first reason that they want you to put that baby up to your breast um, is actually because it helps contract your uterus. So it helps deliver the placenta. It helps stop the bleeding. So there's actually health benefits um, during delivery to nurse the baby. And so, um, you know, there's that. And then there's also, you know, the bonding, you know, it, it does help with bonding. But again, if, if it's stressful for someone and, and someone doesn't want to do it and it stresses them out to even think about it, then, then obviously that's not going to help. But my advice is to start slow. So if it's something you don't think you want to do, but you may want to give it a try, just set a goal. Just set a goal for a week, you know the baby's going to be born. I'd like to, to just try nursing for a week and just see if it goes okay. And I mean, I'll be very honest. No one told me how hard it was going to be. Um, you know, it's painful. It's a little bit nerve wracking because just like I said earlier, you don't know how much milk the baby's taking. And as a first time mom, I mean, these are all things that are so scary. And so I, I think that a lot of people get really overwhelmed at first. So just set small goals. If you make it to a week, and you're doing okay, and you think you may try another week, set your goal for two weeks at that point, and just do what you can. And if it gets too much, don't let it stress you out. You can always add in formula, you can start pumping, you can start introducing bottles, you know, just do what you need to do. Are there health benefits for mom too? Sure, yeah, there actually are. So they say that nursing moms actually have lower risk of ovarian cancer, breast cancer, um, diabetes, and it even helps lower their blood pressure too. Dawn, when we're also talking about breastfeeding, um, some babies are very difficult to get them to feed at first, whether it's breastfeeding, whether it's a bottle. Can your doctor be someone or are there other people that you might be able to get in touch with who would be able to give you some advice? Yes. So pediatricians obviously are a wonderful source of information. And then if a mom's having trouble or they're nervous, um, there's 
there's also lactation consultants and they are wonderful. They can help you with everything from sore nipples to your flow of milk um, to how to help produce more or if you think you're producing too much. So they are truly a wonderful wealth of information and they can also, um, you know, watch the baby nurse and, and look at their latch and, and help solve any type of problem, whether it's with the latch or with the position or just anything that you're uncomfortable with, they can look at and they can help. So yes, lactation consultants are wonderful and every hospital has them. And if you are going to nurse or you want to try to nurse, they will have them stop in your hospital room and help too. Okay. Before I let you go, are there any things that you want to leave with our listeners today and National Breastfeeding Month? I'm sure that there's plenty of information around on the internet. So where would we go there to get the correct lots of good information? Really, uh, the La Leche legs, they are a huge um, proponent for breastfeeding, but really just talking to your doctor, talking to your friends, um, talking to other new moms, um, especially to hear those stories, because it is hard at first and, and you don't want to feel like you're alone. So it is a good thing to kind of have a good support system and, and you know, get the whole family involved. They, they will definitely help also. And then I guess my other, you know, takeaway is don't stress about it. If it's stressing you out too much and it's something you really wanted to do, but you can't, it's okay. You know, that is best. You know, there, there are benefits to both formula and breast milk. So really do whatever works best for you and your family. Thanks, Dawn. Up next, we're going to meet the Bird Whisperer on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. It's a wonderful thing when parents get behind their children who want to participate in different activities, whether it's sports or theater, dance, or you name it. You never know where that experience is going to take them. Coming up on Special Edition, we're going to meet two moms, one whose son made it all the way to the Olympics and another whose daughter is nine years old and already she's known as the Bird Whisperer. I'm going to introduce you to Evelyn Lyons and her mom, Linda Urid. They're here to tell us about Evelyn's hand-tamed foster birds and more. I understand from all of the publicity that you've been receiving, you're quite the celebrity. Is that true? And what makes you such a celebrity? What about all these birds? How many do you have? I have 55. Wow. Because only two finches. That's a lot of birds. Do each of them have a name? Yes. Do you have a favorite name? Polly. Evelyn, what made you get interested in taking care of birds? So when she was younger, um, just like a regular kid, we went to a pet store. We were going to get her a pet, and she's seeing a little girl banging on a glass for um, for parakeets. So she had a fish. We had to bring the parakeets home. Um, and then she wanted, that was her way of rescuing, she said, from, you know, the stores and all that. So I told her I had a friend who ran a rescue. Maybe we'll, um, we'll see if she has any birds. And when Evelyn went to go choose a bird, she seen how well she was working with them that she gave her three to foster herself. And then, you know, there are nippy little birds that bit me and everybody in the house. But um, within like 24 hours, she had the birds nice and calm and, you know, sitting on her hand and playing. So it started from parakeets and now she's, you know, working her way up the line and she's handled um, like the smaller macaws, like cockatoos and the bigger birds. 
So that's where it basically started, just with three little parakeets. Where did you find all these birds? I rescued the bird. Does somebody get in touch with you and tell you that they have a bird? People um, tell me that if they can't take care of their bird anymore, they give it to me. You do have the backing of the organization that behind you because you're just technically a foster home, correct? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we come in and we uh, we babysit the birds, basically. We take care of them, make sure they're fed and watered, have everything they need. And then we do have our open houses so people can come and, you know, check out the birds. But at the end, it's the rescue has, that has a final say. You know, if there's a problem with any of the birds or, you know, they need vetting, then it would be the rescue that would step in and say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do to help the bird. And we're basically just learning from them. Who takes care of all those birds? Me. What's a typical day for you when you first get out of bed? What do you do first for your birds? I give them fresh food and water. And what else do you have to do? Some messy stuff too, right? Get them new paper. We started off with 55 and she homed 30 of them. So we have about about 20, maybe 22, 23 birds left just right here in her foster home that she takes care of every day. Yeah, she gets up in the morning and she takes care of, you know, all the foster birds, feeds and waters them, scrubs their cages, gives them baths that needs to be done for the day. And I mean, we all help her. We don't make her do it all, all by herself. But um, she mostly does a lot of the hand taming. I don't know how, but the birds take to her better than anybody. What do you do when it comes to all of the things that you need for the birds? How old are you, Evelyn? Nine. So I don't think at the age of nine, you do have a job. So how do you get the money in order to take care of all these birds? People um, give us money so, so we can babysit their birds. You do a lot of fundraisers, but if someone would like to help you out, is there a way that they can do that? a bunch of different options. I know Village Pets in Hanover and in Luzerne, they have a donation box set up for her. Um, Petco in Kingston or Edwardsville, they they also take donations. You know, people will go in and purchase a product and leave it in the box. And then Evelyn, like once a week or whatever, she'll go and pick them up. Um, Also, we do have online fundraisers for her. Sometimes uh, she has an Amazon wish list on her wall and they send her the products that she posts up there. I guess there's many different ways. Do you have people come by the house? Yeah. And what do they do? They they get to look at your birds? Mm-hmm. We have them every Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. We're located in Plymouth on Schweitzer uh, Lane. I usually post the information up on Evelyn's her page. She has a personal page with um, the details. And- if someone is going to adopt one of the birds, what would be the criteria? It runs like the SPCA and other rescues. The bigger, larger birds like the macaws and the parrots, and you'd have to go through an application approval. You, you fill out the app online, and you could do that through our main rescue, which is My House of Wings Parrot Rescue. And then they, um, they're subject to approval. And then once you're approved, you would be able to set up the date and time when you could come and pick up your bird. But what else do you tell them, Evelyn, when they're when they come and they want to adopt a certain bird? Jens, what are some of the questions that you ask? Would one of the questions you ask be, do you know anything about this bird? Yeah. And if they said no, what would happen? I would say they can't have a bird because they don't know anything about them. So what would you do? 
sometimes you might have to go to the house and check things out. Do you actually do things like that? Yeah. And what do people say? I make sure um, the house don't have, like they don't smoke and they don't have cats and dogs. Okay. Beforehand, usually what Evelyn does is have the open houses, have people come in and meet and greet them just to see if they bond. Uh, we like to make sure we have a good match and they know a little bit about the bird before they go off and, uh, you know, try to bring them home because most often they'll just end up coming back if they don't understand the breed very well. When a bird is going to be adopted, is there any price involved for an adoption fee? There is an adoption fee. Every breed of bird obviously has like a different a different fee. Like the bigger birds are more, um, they all leave here with, like Evelyn calls it, a little kit to go with her, like a little care package with their cage if they need it. She gives them food, supplies, toys, everything for the cage. So it's kind of a little package deal. We have starter kits for, you know, the new bird parents when they want to get like maybe a parakeet or something. So she has like little parakeet starter kits, she calls them. So they don't just get the bird, they get the whole deal. And then if they ever have a problem, they always come back and they usually just speak with Evelyn because she handles all that. Well, she is one impressive nine-year-old mom. I'll tell you. Thank you. She keeps us busy. (laughs) She started doing her own house visits to check, like, make sure the houses are set up well enough for the bird, make sure everything's safe in the house. She does. She's told people no in the past where they couldn't have a bird. And, you know, they kind of get a little offended because she's nine. But um, it's mostly if, you know, she goes through a checklist and if she sees, you know, there's too many items there that's dangerous, she'll tell them. That gives them a chance to straighten it out. And then, you know, she'll uh, go back in and do what she has to. You know, sometimes they keep them by windows or drafts or heaters. And she has to just tell them, you know, that that's not good for the bird. She's a little tough cookie when it comes to them. What's the first thing that you want them to know about? Are they fun? Yeah. What do they do that's fun? They dance. They sing. And how do they do that? Did you teach them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do some of them talk? Yes. Do you have parrots? Yes. And what do they say? Polly want a cracker. So when they come to see you, what advice do you give them? Some of them bite. And what do you do about a bird that bites? You say don't bite. And you put them back in their cage. And they say, okay. So if she had somebody offer her $3,000 for her poly pickles. And uh, she's like, nope, I don't care about the money. I want them to go to a good home. So, well, she, uh, yeah, she told me about Polly Pickles and she, she said, she said he was her favorite. So he's not going anywhere. He's not. Yeah. You couldn't give her $2 million. Like, <laughs> she wouldn't let go of that bird. Anything else that you yeah. would like everyone to know about the uh, bird whisperer? You know, she's, she's a kid. She's still learning. She's got a lot to learn, but I've never seen a more passionate and more determined child when it comes to this. Um, constantly asking questions to different rescues to go to stores and question them. So, I mean, even though, you know, she's a little kid, she, we kind of just try to support her through it because this is what she really loves to do and wants to do. The the hardest part that she got sometimes is a little bit of criticism because she's young, Mm. but, um, we tell them, listen, you know, she could be doing other things and this is what she wants to learn. Well, good for her. And you you are an awesome mom because I don't know how I would feel about having 55 birds. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know what? She hasn't trained. I don't know. But when the lights go out at night, they go to bed. When the sun comes up, they get up. So 
maybe sometimes we'll have one or two of them, you know, that try to challenge us, but just like kids, you know, we come up with a plan and that's, she kind of keeps them on routine, just like you do kids, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. I'm, I'm so impressed. Every time I see her come up, I'm so impressed. She knows what she's doing and that's wonderful. She wants to one day own her own rescue. So this is like her in training, you could say. So if anyone has a very large property in the future <laughs> that they think they'd like to get, they'd like yes, to hand over. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be great. Right now we, we started with our whole living room and now half of my furniture is in it. I think it's going to be on the porch soon because it's all birds. So, so, You're an amazing yeah. mom, I'll tell you. <laughs> we try. Try to support the kids the best we can. Yes, well, you better mention the other two. I have one that just graduated. Um, Justin has Asperger's. Usually they go to school until they're 21. He skipped 11th grade and graduated at 17. So he's doing really well. Already going to college for game design and the things that he wants to do. And then, of course, we have junior fire chief Brian Lyons and I don't think I have to say much. He's always getting into something with, you know, events and raising money for whatever he wants to do that day, I guess. Well, I think it's awesome because these kids already have great resumes and everything that they've done is positive. So how can you beat that? You can't. I'm proud. Really, I'm proud. And I got lucky. I got lucky with them. So they do keep me busy and tired, but you know, I'm glad it's in a positive way. I can't complain. Thanks again to Evelyn and her mom, Linda, who supports her children in whatever they do. The same can be said for Kelly Rapon. She is the mom of Northeast Pennsylvania native and Olympian Adam Rapon. She had the opportunity to catch up with Odyssey's Nancy and Jason and talk about the recent Olympic competition and the impact that such things have on participants' mental health. What were your thoughts uh, when you saw the news about Simone uh, from earlier this week? I was in the car when I heard it. I got a text. And then when I came home and I was able to watch her face, you know, I watched some of the um, clips and I realized that she was definitely struggling and it was just more the nerves. You could see how, um, you know, impactful that anxiety that she had was. And when it manifests into physical symptoms you know when you lose your place in space and i and you don't have to be a gymnast to feel that i you know any of us that have had like uh, something trigger us whether it's a bad news a, 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 sh- a shocking death from you know a family member or a friend or or a terrible diagnosis or you know something and experience that you know, sometimes people are triggered with things on holidays because of past experiences. Whenever we get triggered like that, it can really send the body into a different state. When you are driving a school bus, stop the bus. And when you are a gymnast that's 10 feet in the air, stop the routine. I'm so glad that she did it because especially in Western cultures, we see things as like, when you have to give up something big, it must be for something bigger. And when she stepped aside from pretty much a lock from getting a gold medal, I don't know if people understand that how difficult her tricks are. They're so far above the best. So, I mean, she can even afford to make mistakes and still win because of the difficulty score. When somebody like that steps aside and says, I can't, I can't accept this gold medal, I need to 
find my place and where I'm at because I'm lost. You know, we heard uh, from people and she is uh, weak because uh, she just had a bad outing and she was embarrassed. And like, (laughs) this is so, this is very different. Like when we tell people to suck it up uh, in a sport, yeah, anybody makes a mistake and they'll, you know, throw an interception and try again. I'm sure your experience with your son and the stuff he has done, this is very different than just making a mistake. You know, Sunni did was kind of collect herself. She had some adversity, and she was able to collect herself. What she did, sucking it up or pushing through or pushing past the nerves, is completely different. Somebody who is bleeding out, you know, if if you are bleeding out versus have a a brush burn, it's completely different injury to the body. And because, you know, a mental impact is invisible, that we, you know, it's internal. So we can't really see. No one would say, um, oh, how weak is she? If you could see her ankle all blown up with edema, you know, mm-hmm. if it was all swollen. Everyone would say, wow, you know, um, she's got to get that elevated. It's so terrible. Right. And But yeah, I'm trying to say to us that she's internally swollen. Like, she can't do it. You know, people that are so quick to judge that... I think part of it is, like, when we see people who have so much, even like Britney Spears, people think, like, she's rich, she's talented, she's beautiful, people love her. How dare she have mental illness? It is it is something that no one asks for, no one uh, treats, you know, conditions themselves to have. And it's awful that people can't accept that some this is not a weakness. Most of the time, it's a situational, you know? Not everyone is, you know, there's like a chemical road down the path. Some of these things are situational and they're triggered. Society in general, I was listening to your show this morning, it just makes me feel so sad, you know, when people from their couch um, want to wait to get the the parking spot closer to the door of the store are condemning this young woman. It's awful. What what would be your advice to... uh, uh parent, I know I read a little bit of what you had to say. I think it was um, a publication recently had asked you, and I thought for people who have athletes in their life, whether, you know, your mom or dad to, uh, you know, someone who is playing sports, um, you said something really important about being a parent you know, rather than because too much time we focus on how well the kid's doing and work harder and suck it up. Right. You know, and the thing is, I hope people understand that there's a difference between being nerves and having the jitters and having anxiety, like a deep rooted anxiety that needs professional attention there's there is a difference and those things sometimes they can come come about very quickly or sudden onset but most of the time there are warning signs where they grow because the the athletes no matter the level you know even at the competitive high school level they are trained to kind of dismiss and push through so you will see um, a change in behavior you'll see like someone who normally has superior coping ability start to get frustrated easily or their behavior starts to change their diet starts to change they may even verbalize that their sleeping habits where they can't sleep or they're waking up with a racing heart or other things that you notice in their behavior are different and what i had said to um, the people at the today show was that parents it is so important that we maintain our objectivity because there are 
too many people on the side of the the athlete, you know, the, for them to uh, connect to that gold medal or that first place or the finish line. They have plenty of people telling them to push through. Parents really should be on that objective line where they're listening to all this information and truly actively listening to their child. Because, you know, someone will ask me, how do you know when, if your child is going to be an Olympian? They will tell you. How do you know if it's nerves or anxiety? They will show you with their behavior because it is different. It is just different and it is not weakness. But, I mean, that's just ignorance. And sometimes I think like interviewing people that just don't know um, only feeds you know, and, and elevates ignorance as um, a valid viewpoint because it, it's not. It's wrong. It's, it's sad that people would want to um, dismiss something that's so serious. I think when we talk about Olympic athletes, I think one of the reasons people are quick to pile on is because all we see is they are training to be the best, training to be the best, and then they become the best. But when you take mental health and you put it into the right. equation, Everyone, whether it's entertainers, people on the radio, mm -hmm. they train to be the best. But at some point, we're all mortal and we all we all kind of go downhill and become mere mortals again. And I wonder sometimes mm -hmm. when I see this story, she wasn't perfect this time. Did that rattle right. her? Could that have been the trigger? What is the trigger that caused this? Yeah, you know what, though? I think with that argument, it would be different if she was if her skills were equal or in par with the current you know, the current talent in the world, but she is so far above. It, is, it would be like Michael Phelps coming to one of our local high schools. He could, like, smoke a cigarette and still win the race. Like, it, it, her skills are so far above. So for anyone to say she had a few missteps, so she was afraid that someone else was going to take it, I think that the reason why she says that she was there was because she is the sole survivor of Larry Nasser's abuse of the sport. And she felt that she needed to be there to remind, you know, USA Gymnastics that they still need some housekeeping to do mm -hmm. with the sport. Yeah. And I, so I do think that she had so many platforms that she was representing that was the weight. Yes. I don't know. And see, what's, we're all trying to micromanage this, but it could be something else in her personal life. It could be the Larry exactly. Nasser thing. It could be COVID and the stress of the last year. It could yeah. be something yeah. we have no, it's and, really none of our business, but well, she sure. knew that whatever it was right. could have really hurt her and also hurt her teammates in that competition by not doing well. So true. I think no. people are quick to beat up athletes because they're like, but you're training, yeah. that's what you do but there's another side of things she it's has said that she got what's called the twisties before she may have right. a struggle with it and that it just mm -hmm. happened to happen at the worst time well you know the thing is i think we're curious because again we're it's society we like to measure we want to say like well what is your issue because i'll tell you if it's bad enough like right. if your dad died last night or excuse is bad enough then we'll forgive you but if it's I don't know. I just feel off. Oh, boy, that's not good enough. Right. Who are we to judge that, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think there's such hype going in? The stories, you know, be, having been a part of some of the fluff that mm -hmm. goes into producing those small 
packages. For some reason, they do embellish and push the idea of rags to riches, right. um, broken leg to like world record. My saying to Adam was all the time, don't fall into that. You, your story, it, the truth is awesome enough. Like, don't let somebody encourage you to Embellish. add things to it. Right, right, right. How is he doing, by the way? He's loving it. He has a Twitter show with NBC. Oh, cool. And he and China Robinson report live from Tokyo. Yes. But it's a great show. They do, like, a wrap-up because it's um, 1130 at night in mm-hmm. Tokyo when they do the show at 1030 Eastern Time. And uh, they have, like, all of the medalists of the day. Mm -hmm. Then they talk about, like, the chatter. They have talked about, he did give a statement about Simone. They had talked about that. Mm -hmm. To see him at the Winter Olympics, like, uh, doing some coverage as well, too, that would be awesome. Uh, Yeah, I think so. He's been doing a lot of different stuff um, for sports. Yeah, he's loving it, and Good. I'm glad because uh, he said that you really get to see it was up in the air with NBC, like how many people were going to be going, you know, with the with restrictions. COVID, yeah. Saying like his perspective being on this side, being watching the athletes instead of being an athlete, oh, it's very scary. Almost like when you see if you were ever in a car accident, you think it was very minor, and then you go to the body shop and you see like your car is totaled and you think oh my god right i was in that car <laughs> and i feel like um you know we always kind of compartmentalize or make something the size of what we need mm-hmm. at the time to cope through it right and then when we go back and we see how small it is or how large it was we're really surprised at ourselves. Yeah, very different perspective. So. Kelly, I love talking to you. It's always nice to talk with you um, about things going on. And, and your book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self, is out there as well if people want to check out more. Thanks again to Odyssey's Nancy and Jason for bringing us their interview with author and mom, Kelly Rapon. Now, don't go away. When we come back, we're talking COVID and Combat COVID website. Don't go away. Welcome back to Special Edition. COVID-19, once again, numbers are starting to rise. Now there are variants being talked about. Discussions, once again, to wear a mask, not to wear a mask. To be vaccinated, not to be vaccinated. How it's all going to play out, we don't yet know. But Dr. David Wohl is an infectious disease expert at the University of North Carolina. And he's going to share the details on the combatcovid.hhs.gov website, as well as riseabovecovid.com. He's going to tell us about what's underway in order to go through trials so that we can not only get rid of the disease, but we can also help those who have it to recover from it. Combat COVID is an initiative funded by the federal government to find treatment for COVID-19. We hear a lot about vaccination and prevention but there were over 15,000 new cases of COVID-19 diagnosed in the U.S. just in the last two weeks alone. That's 15,000 people who need medicine to treat their COVID-19. So Combat COVID is an effort to identify safe and really effective medicines that can work to treat COVID-19. The vaccines that we've been talking about, that's not it. You're talking about something totally different? Right. Hand in glove. We need vaccines to prevent 
infection. So that's our first line of defense. But for people who do get infected, either because they didn't take the vaccine, they didn't have a chance to get it, it wasn't accessible, they decided not to, or they took it, but they're a breakthrough case, which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. What do we offer those people? We need to be able to find therapies that we can give to people. There's many cases that are occurring in the United States, as mentioned, and across the world. So the world needs medicines to treat COVID-19. When someone is diagnosed, what are they getting now? By and large, they're told to take Tylenol and you know get some rest. There are some therapies that are authorized by the government. They're infusions. You have to get them an infusion center. You have to get hooked up to an IV, hooked up for an hour, and then watch for an hour. They're very inconvenient, and they're under authorization, but they haven't been approved. There's only one approved medicine right now to treat COVID-19. That's for people who are hospitalized. So those who are not hospitalized, we really don't have very much that's convenient and easy for them to take. Well, then what exactly are you looking at when we talk about going to the website Combat COVID? So I think most people are familiar with the vaccine trials, right? So people were on the edge of their seats to find out what did the Moderna trial show? What did the Pfizer trial show? What about Johnson & Johnson and their study? Combat COVID is a host of studies, like a menu of studies that are looking at people at different stages of COVID-19. From initial diagnosis, I just found out I'm COVID-19 positive and I don't feel well, all the way through the hospital and people who are sick in the hospital for medicines for them. And it's a series of different clinical research studies identifying promising medicines and then testing them to make sure they work and they're safe. So if people go to combatcovid.hhs.gov or riseabovecovid.org, riseabovecovid.org will introduce you to a study for people who are not in the hospital. Combatcovid.hhs.gov shows you all the different studies that are available, both outpatient and inpatient. So to be clear, these are studies. These are studies that will help us identify which among many different drugs that are being tested do what we need them to do. If someone is at this point hearing this and they're saying, well, I had COVID back in whenever and I was diagnosed with it and it ran its course. And now would that be someone that would be involved in these clinical trials? They wouldn't be involved in the clinical trial, but I would hope that person, if a loved one, a friend, a coworker gets diagnosed with COVID-19 would say, hey, I heard that the government, our tax dollars, is being used to identify and find new therapies, therapies that are effective against COVID-19. You should check it out. That way you can get into the study and maybe it can help you and other people. That's the idea. We've got to spread the word. Again, vaccines are fantastic, but we didn't get to vaccines overnight. It took research exactly like this. Well done, rigorous studies to find those effective vaccines that have made the difference. We need to get that last mile. We need not only prevention, but we also need treatment. Because right now, like you said, there's really not a whole lot that people can do when they first are diagnosed with COVID-19. And I know people who've gotten diagnosed and they're like, well, what can I do? I'm worried. I have risk factors. I'm overweight or I have asthma. What can I take? And unfortunately, the list is too short right now. Who are you looking for? to participate in the trials, someone who's been recently diagnosed, someone who had COVID, uh, and how would they get involved? Exactly. People who are recently diagnosed, people who are within days of getting diagnosed with COVID-19, 
That's the opportunity. If we wait too long, it's true for any infection. If, if you get pneumonia, you don't want a treatment to be taken two weeks later. So this is the same sort of idea. The sooner people find out they're COVID-19 positive and they have symptoms, go to the website, combatcovid.hhs.gov, and you can find a clinical trial. Riseabovecovid.org, that's one that's great for people who are just diagnosed and they're not in the hospital. And then you can find on-ramps to study, including 24-hour-a-day call centers, English and in Spanish. You call and they find a site near you. Here we are in Northeast Pennsylvania, and I don't remember hearing anything about anything like that locally. So how would someone in a community such as ours be able to get involved? Is it something that you would have to go to, travel? How does all that work? So we have well over 100 sites across the United States and now have expanded internationally even. So the chances are, especially if you're in, you know, where you are in Pennsylvania, you're not too far away from a clinical research site that's offering the study. What's nice about the website is that they show you maps of where the study is taking place. So yeah, for sure, people should go on the website, they should call the number, and then there's operators 24 hours a day that can hook you up with a local site where they can talk to you about what's involved, they can tell you the details, they can help you even with transportation to get there. We really have to pull out all the stops. This is something you know, that we just can't you know, wait and we'll find an answer in five years. This is really a massive effort. And I think everyone listening can understand prevention's great. But what about the people who fall through that? Don't we need a safety net, a treatment safety net? And that's what we're talking about here. We need to have medicines that prevent people from getting hospitalized, that can get your symptoms gone, that can get you back to work, that can prevent you from shedding the virus to others around you. We don't really have that right now. And I think we have to do a better job, but it's going to take all of us working together. So if you're recently diagnosed with COVID-19, or you, you become recently diagnosed in the future, God forbid, think about this. Remember this. There are studies that are available that can get you access to really promising treatment. What happens if someone gets involved in a clinical trial? How does that work? It's really interesting. Uh, some people really like the attention that they get in a clinical trial because people are watching over you. There's a lot of contact and communication. There are visits, but we try to minimize those visits. But there's only a few that you have to make at a clinic where they're doing the clinical study. Every clinical study involves some sort of questioning. This clinical study involves taking some blood and getting a treatment. And there's different treatments that we're studying. And a really nice part about this, these kinds of studies are as a promising therapy becomes available, it's introduced into the study. And we can study that. If another drug comes available that looks really good from a different source, we can introduce that to the study. So it's not just a one-on-one -on -one boxing match between this drug and that drug. We have a platform where we can actually study different therapies as they become available. This is something that, that was developed for the cancer treatment model. So in cancer studies, they often do the same sort of thing of introducing different chemotherapies to find out what works. So we've taken a page out of a book that's been written long ago to try to come up with treatments for COVID-19. So is it a little bit of work? Yeah, people got to show up to the site, answer questions, um, you know, be examined, but you get really closely monitored. And I think that's a benefit of being in some of these studies. I don't know exactly what the word would be, but I'll just say, is it safe? Yeah, so that's what we've got to do is keep things safe. 
And the kinds of research that is done, federally funded research, NIH-monitored research, the research that we've seen done with the vaccines, really rigorous, really safe. So, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of points along the way where we're monitoring blood work, we're monitoring people's physical examinations, how they feel. So, right. And to get to the point of being studied in these trials, the drug has to be proven to be safe in a small number of people and animals in the laboratory. So, really, we're looking at very promising therapies. Anything that anyone takes that's prescribed by a clinician has gone through this process. So somebody had to be there to develop that new cancer therapy, to develop that medicine for flu, to develop the medicine for diabetes. People were in clinical trials just like that to get us those life-saving medicines, and we need life-saving medicines for COVID-19. Dr. Wall, what would you like to leave with our audience before I have to let you go? I think this is great, Paul, that we're paying attention to this, that we're spreading the word. Like you said, you had not heard about this before. Now, everyone who's listening to you right now has heard about it. So there is an effort to get treatment available for COVID-19. Rise Above COVID is one way to do it. Combat COVID is part of that. So Combat COVID, Rise Above COVID, these are the on-ramps. This is how you can hear about it. Spread the word. We've got to find treatment and we can do it together. So thank you. Well, when you get it, make sure you get back to us and let us know. We'll be happy to have you on again. I would love to talk about our successes, and there will be successes. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 